This morning we're looking at um, the verses from Colossians chapter 1 from 14 to 23. And what uh, Paul does in this little passage, he sets up quite a stark contrast. And the first part of it, he paints, I think, one of the most sort of resplendent, magnificent word pictures of who Jesus is that are recorded in the Bible. Uh, in him, Jesus, we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Listen to who this Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. He was there from the beginning. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is the ever-living God. He is the creator of the universe. He is the king of kings. This is the supremacy of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, which alludes to what we're going to experience on Sunday, he showed that he was God by rising from the dead and bringing life and victory defeating the enemies that were against him. And in everything, he might be preeminent. <laughs> What's the word preeminent mean? Well, some, uh, some uh, translations put supremacy there, that he is the supreme. Preeminent means above all else, the most highest there is. If you think about, um, sometimes we use the word a preeminent expert in something. It is the highest. He is uh, the one who is over all, through all, and in all. And for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God um, represented himself in the man of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, as he lived here on this earth, um, was fully God, fully man. I think, when I think of that picture of this supreme person, uh, this amazing man, God man, the God with flesh on him, The one, if we go to the next bit of the verse where it says, the one through whom him uh, to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. He is the one who is going to reconcile us to God, the one who is going to reconcile the world and restore the world that has been broken. Paul sets up this amazing picture of who Jesus is. 
And then right next to that, he puts this. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, some other translations put, and you who were enemies of God, alienated, hostile, doing acts of evil. And through the first couple of chapters of Colossians, we get this sprinkled image of who we are. We're a bit like the Malchus. We're a bit like the Peters. We're a bit like the Thomases. That we have denied him. We have been enemies of God. As Joel alluded to last week, we have dwelt in the dominion of darkness, which he came to rescue us from. We are dead in our sins, it tells us in chapter 2. I've been reading through Romans in the last few weeks, in the lead up to Easter, and there it hit me, the bleak reality of my condition of my heart. That we are so often self-reliant, arrogant, thinking we know better than God, loving the things that are created more than the one who created them. And in that is damning verses in Romans 8, where it says, there is no one righteous, all have turned away, all are stubborn and unrepentant. And if you're unsure as to what that looks like, Paul lists it for us in Colossians chapter 3. You can have a look at it later on. when you And he says, that looks like you indulging in sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, being greedy, and at the heart of it, idolatry. Trusting in, relying in, living for things other than God. These are things like anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying. And as we sit in this stark contrast of the supremacy of Christ and the sinfulness of our own hearts, I want to throw in a Tim Keller quote. This is what he says. It's one that I've resonated with. He says, We are far worse than we could ever imagine. And the rest of the quote goes this, but we are far more loved 
than we could ever dream of. Because do you get what's happening here? As we see the supremacy of the Christ who is holy, the creator of everything, the one who should be adored and, and worshipped and followed and given everything to. How does he deal with those who reject him? How, do we, how does he deal with those who are enemies of him? Well, he loves them. And he gives his life for them. And more than that, he comes close to them. Think of Malchus who is there to arrest him and kill him. He actually heals him. If you know what happens later on in the story with Peter, Jesus seeks him out. This man who had denied him, lied about him, ran away from him. This is the supremacy of Christ's love that we see starkly in our image on Good Friday. And this Easter story, which so vividly displays that love of God amongst us interacting with our sinfulness and our brokenness, I think is displayed right here in the Lord's Supper. And if you think about what happened on that night as Jesus gathered with his disciples and what he did to show the extent of his love to them. So we're now going to just watch one of those disciples' reaction to some of that. So we're going to have a look at uh, Thomas's story. It's hard to be judged for one mistake, but it's what I'll be remembered for, I guess. I wasn't always the doubter. That's not who I am. I have a zeal for Jesus. I always have. When Lazarus died, No one wanted to return to Bethany with Jesus. The atmosphere there was volatile and dangerous. Jesus said he'd show us his glory. I assumed we'd all die there. Still, I'm the one who said, let's go. But then, then came this room. At the time, none of us understood as we sat at that table. This is my body. This is my blood. He raised the dead. He he cast out demons even. What could he possibly mean? I didn't doubt it when they told me he was dead. But how can you not doubt someone coming back to life? Some didn't doubt. But for me, it was harder. Maybe it was just that I didn't want to be disappointed. Many came after me. 
who believed without seeing what I saw. Jesus called them blessed. Yes, I touched the place of the nails, the hole in his side. Such definitive proof that I cried out, my Lord, my God. But that wasn't the only amazing thing. The Almighty One, He came back for me. He didn't want to leave me behind in my doubt. He says, I'm worth that. And I'll follow Him anywhere for the rest of my life. Here is a picture of the supremacy of Christ's love. That while we were doubting, while we deny him, while we want to run away from him or deny his existence, he steps up and he shows us the full extent of his love. He seeks us out. And he embraces us. He seeks people out like Peter and Thomas. He approaches them with his love. He takes their sin. He takes their lies. He takes their hatred, their selfishness. And he puts it upon himself. And he is nailed to the cross for it. That while we were still sinners, he invites us to a table with him. And he says, my son, my daughter, come eat with me, come drink with me. Remember what I have done for you. We can have a high view of our sinfulness and our brokenness. But the message of the gospel, that the guilt that comes with that, is to drive us to the grace and the love that is supreme above all of that. That at this table, as we partake in these elements, we're remembering that Christ's body was broken for the complete forgiveness of our sins. And as we take the juice, we remember that Christ's blood washed us clean. So that, and this is where the rest of Colossians goes, so that we can sit at this table with him, so that he can embrace us, so that he can love us, And he says, you are my son and you are my daughter and you are without spot. You are without blemish. You are perfectly accepted into my family. And I love you. 
and I want to spend my life with you. I want to eat with you. I want to drink with you here on this earth, but in the one to come. Remember, he reminds his disciples that it's the last time he was going to do it with them on earth. But in the new heaven and the new earth, he's going to do it with them all the time. And he says, as he lays out this feast for us, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You've got to realise the extent of this. Because what, what do you think, Peter, what do you think Thomas would have expected the first time they met Jesus? What do you think they would have expected? They would have been expecting condemnation and anger and disappointment. And what does, he do? what does he do? He shows the supremacy of his love by inviting them into his family and sending them out to be his ambassadors. There is no condemnation for those who believe in Christ and what he has done. No accusation, no separation. I really love that picture of Malchus at the end. That it, you know, it, If he was there when the temple curtain split and that he knew what that meant that God was on the move bringing his grace to the world and so this morning again Jesus invites you as doubters as liars, as those who at times don't want much to do with him, as those who live more for this world than they do for his kingdom. And he says, come to the table. Eat with me, drink with me as my kids, as my brothers and sisters actually. Because your sins are put on me. And I've taken them to the cross. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you showed the supremacy of your love for us by dying on a cross. That you took upon yourself the weight of our sin. That the wrath that should have been on us, you took upon yourself. We thank you that you are such a supremely loving God that you pursue us in our sin and even when we are in rebellion against you or in enemies towards you, you pursue us and you uh, overwhelm us with your love and your grace and your forgiveness. So now as we participate in this supper, we ask Holy Spirit that you would stir and move in our hearts, that we would be reminded of the truth of who we are because of Good Friday of those who gather and eat as those who are spotless, without blemish, with no condemnation, with nothing that can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. So Holy Spirit, as we participate in this now, will you help us to see the hope of your glory and know the reality of who we are in you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.